Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Charity Stripe on the all-new Mightier 1090 AM SoCal Sports Talk. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws because they're free. I'm Joshua Fisher along with Alexander Tosopoulos and San Diego's own Nikki Snacks Kreider. If a DJ airhorn sound effect's not your thing or not your cup of tea, all good. We could talk chamomile and peppermint tea on our Instagram at the.charity.stripe or on Twitter in our DMs and private messages at underscore charity stripe, another one underscore. There's no another one in there. It's just another underscore. A lot going on in the wide world of sports. We are brought to you by Sided, Sided Debates, and we're also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. But right now, as you're listening to us, the Suns and the Clippers are tipping off for Game 3 in Los Angeles in a must-win for the Clippers. Question for you guys. I posed this last night. Alex, you thought I was crazy when I said this. Is it the best thing for the Suns to win, for the NBA at least, is it the best thing for the Suns to win this series narrative-wise and go to the championship? Is it the? I don't know if it's the best thing for the NBA. The initial question was something slightly different. It was slightly different, and you thought I was crazy, so I amended it. Uh, the okay. question was the question. Initial question for the people out there in our late night group text was: Is it a good thing or a bad thing for the Suns to win this series? And you thought that, yeah. and you said, "How can that be a bad thing?" Ha ha. Because there, it just—it's not a bad thing. I mean, you've got the the narratives for the Suns are. There's a, there's a couple of them, right? We've got Chris Paul winning his first championship, cementing himself potentially in the top 25 players of all time. I mean, he's he's having, as far as point guards go, the best season past 35 that any other point guard in NBA history has had. Additionally, you've got additionally you've got Devin Booker, who is, for all intents and purposes, the kind of he was he was tutored by Kobe. He's of all the guys in the NBA right now, seemingly has had the closest relationship with Kobe. He's modeled his game after him. They were close while Kobe was still alive. Since Stephen so, A. called him the next Kobe, too. Yeah, I mean, I think you know you go and look at any Instagram related to Devin Booker, and there's going to be at least fifty comments saying you know Kobe Junior, Kobe Light. Like that's a, a fantastic narrative as well. The Suns. They've never won a finals, too. Never won. They've never won a finals. So I think all three of those things just make it a great story for the NBA. And we need more of that, right? And it's also just huge for if the finals end up being Devin Booker and Trey Young, guys who previously were kind of just uh, poo pooed upon, as Josh, you like to say, for being stat chasers and just filling up the box score. Now they finally get there. If you put the right guys around these quote-unquote stat chasers, depending on who the guy is, if they're willing to step up to the plate, which obviously Devin Booker and Trey Young both have done, you can still get to the title and and potentially even win a title. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Suns, the team the Suns 
have. I also like, I mean, you know, I've come to appreciate the team that the Clippers have in place as well. We looked at it on paper and it was like Kawhi, obviously, and Paul George, and then a mishmash of like, you know, forgotten like second round picks or like old vets. But everyone's really playing their best basketball on the Clippers. So you got to give them credit there. Without Kawhi Leonard, everyone thought they were like dead in the water against the Jazz. Clearly, they've made it this far. And we're sitting here and it's not out of the question with Chris Paul coming back for game three tonight that the Clippers can win this game. With Even with Paul George, you know, the end of the game in game two, missing the free throws, he still was very good. Reggie Jackson, like, gun to his head, he's going to hit the shot nowadays. He's playing his best basketball right now. Reggie, ever. Ever. Sure. And, and we used to, when we started our podcast years ago, I mean, we used to hate on Reggie Jackson like he stole our money. <laughs> we used, I mean, right? We, he was like our dartboard. Yeah. No, but all these guys are stepping up. I mean, Batoon's stepping up, Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann is having some great, some great basketball right now, kind of out of nowhere, but... Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that it's not a bad thing if the Suns win the championship, but it's also not a bad thing if the Clippers do either because they've never won a finals. This is their first time in the Western Conference finals. Yeah. One one more thing on the Suns narrative. Yeah. Chris Paul beats his former team yep. in the Western Conference finals, and that takes him to the finals, a team that he could never get past the Western Conference finals with. So It would, it would just be so soul-crushing. Yeah. This is it for Chris Paul. It has to be. He's never going to get a chance like this. This is his best chance for sure. I'm not sure if this is it for his career, but this is definitely his best chance. This is his best chance as, quote-unquote, either the 1A, 1B on his team. Right. He's never going to have another opportunity like this. Also, where LeBron James is nowhere to be found. He's gone. Right. There's no LeBron and, in his and way. There's no KD anymore either. There's no KD exactly. There's no there's KD no in the way. Steph. There's no Steph in his way. Like This is like it. And this is it for, like honestly, like I don't know. if Have you ever been to Phoenix? Yes, I have. It's a pretty cool city. Yeah, it's great. And I don't like, look, is it a big market team like Los Angeles? No, but it's a better city than Sacramento. And I, I don't I don't have a problem like poo-pooing Sacramento because they're not in our range. They're not SoCal. They're not, they're not, they're not in the 1090 range. So if you ain't with us, you against us. And Sacramento is definitely, I, I mean, they could be our, our dartboard for 1090. Um, but I think that narrative is great too. I just, I'm a big, I'll always be a big Paul George fan. I, I always I love what he did in Indiana. I know he requested a trade, but it wasn't like this big whole blow up of like a Dwight Howard saga. And I honestly, that's like the only reason I don't love Dwight anymore because he was like I remember he's like the first guy I really remember of wanting a trade and doing it in like the grossest way in the media. Paul George was kind of in that same kind of in that same vein and that same timeline, but he did it a little bit more classy. Left Indiana the right way, went to OKC, played excellent basketball, resigned there, and then he goes to the Clippers. Obviously. I just it would be annoying for the Clippers to go without Kawhi. It's just not great hoops. It's just there'll be something missing. Even though it would be cool to see Paul George do it on his own. I mean it it looks like if they make it to the finals, which just putting this on the record, I don't think that they are going to do. If they do make it, I, I think Kawhi will probably be back in some capacity. Because there's already murmurs that he might try and push it for game four. Um, which of course we don't we don't necessarily know. They've been really, really vague and mysterious about what the true nature of the injury is. But Vin- I think vintage pro- Kawhi Leonard, by the way. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the more vague it is, and the more the longer this prolongs, I, the worse. I, I think the worse it is because yeah. I think if they were to come out and say right away, okay, he tore his ACL, he's not going to play for the rest of the series for, yeah. for the rest of the season. Then that kind of just puts them out of the misery, right? The Suns are like, oh, great, we're fine, we're chilling. There's no Kawhi. There's still like a little bit of, okay, maybe he's going to come back in the Suns' heart, right? Where 
they don't know how how far this is going to go. So it's maybe it's just a strategy to to kind of keeping them on Keep, their toes. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know what kind of Yu-Gi-Oh cards the Clippers are hiding. You, you think if the if the Clippers go down 3-0 that that it comes out the next day. You think it comes out tomorrow if they if the Suns win this game tonight that Kawhi has a torn ACL? I would say that, yeah. I think yeah, he's out for the series if they lose. If they lose this game as we're talking right now, he's done for the series. For sure. You can't bring him back after you're down 3 even if you win game 4. Right. I think it's over. Yeah, it's too big sense. of a risk. Are they, I, are, I actually I actually don't think though that the between the Suns the Clippers, the Hawks, and the Bucks, all four of those teams, forget everyone else in the NBA, if they maintain and keep these pieces, like they could easily be right back in the same spot. Chris Paul still has one more year. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I mean, he could he could terminate and leave, but I, 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 he's going to leave the contract and they're going to have to re-sign him, but I doubt he's going to leave Phoenix. Like, why would you? Right. right. But you know that the Lakers are going to retool and then they're going to be back with AD and LeBron. You know that... The Nets are going to be healthy again with James Harden and Kyrie and and Kevin Durant, and you know that Clay Thompson's coming back with Steph. So I yeah. mean, there's going to be some guys that you know are going to be big roadblocks for these teams. I think the I, I think the Clippers though, you got to be happy about at some point next year getting Serge Ibaka back, which like yeah. that's been a big question mark that we really haven't talked about much in, yeah. in these playoffs because he just hasn't been available. But he would have made a big impact. He would have. I mean, especially against DeAndre Ayton last game. Well, yeah, the, the he would. He's exactly. Exact, it's exactly where he would have been. That's the 100%. Like, we're sitting here on our... We were talking about our podcast, which you can find on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you can podcast on. Um, we were talking about, like, oh, Batum should have been there. Realistically, at the end of the day, on the Valley Oop, it should have been a Baca. And that play necessarily doesn't happen, honestly. Right. They don't run that play. Well, they have to, but I don't know if you get it off. Yeah. I mean, a Baca is just as long and athletic as Aiton for the most part. Um, but the Clippers guys are going to run it back. Are the Suns, though, the luckiest team? They play AD-less Lakers. Not everyone's at full health. They play the Nuggets with no Murray. And not saying they would have like lost those and series. The Clippers with no Kawhi. They play the Clippers with no Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty lucky. It's, but it's circumstance, and you have to take care of business Regardless. when those opportunities present themselves. This happens every year in the playoffs, and we always say that. It's a, it's a caveat that we tell anyone that we're discussing playoff basketball with before the playoffs start is that inevitably guys are going to get injured. And that dictates so much in playoffs. It always has. Well, who can be the most healthy at the end of the day? Right. Which is a lot of, it's a lot of extra basketball to play. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate for the jazz because they were pretty much at full tilt that they couldn't close that out. Yeah. I was, I was never really sold on them, especially as the one seed. Oh, they were the least, one of the all time least convincing one seeds. I was about as confident in the Jazz as a one seed as my jump shot. And for those listeners who don't know about my basketball, there's a reason I talk it, not play it. <laughs> He's the least athletic of the three of us. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? I'm not, gonna, I'm not even ashamed to admit that I'm the least athletic of the three of us because you guys are good athletes. Nick, you played, Nick played college. We haven't d- said this yet, but Nick was a walk-on for Texas football. And Toss is honestly, I'll hang my hat on Toss's basketball skills any day. Right, I was not. Yeah, I didn't walk. I didn't walk on to the team, but I did win an IM championship in b-ball. So there you toss, go. Toss, it's is, a big school. It's a big school. So I actually think that's kind of meaningful. Yeah, Texas for sure. Toss, we're all Texas grads, by the way. Toss is five nine. If uh, here's what I'm throwing on the record. You threw something on the record. I'm throwing this on the record. Toss, if you were six three, you would have been the starting point guard for Syracuse, and I know you. That's what you want <laughs> <laughs> under Bayon. I know it's exactly Jim Bayon. Oh, I know I would have ex- loved to play for Jim Bayon. 
And he run in that zone all day, baby. You guys would have loved each other. That's like your. That's like one of your soulmates in life. I feel this is Bayon. <laughs> um, uh, there's other basketball going on though. We're previewing the Hawks Bucks. Hawks steal one in Milwaukee. We're brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Like we said at the top, Toss. You have a bet for us for the Hawks Bucks game two, and then we'll get into the game. What are you feeling? My bet is actually. I'll give a bet on the game, but my bet is actually a NBA player futures for finals MVP. So I would put the bet down now on Chris Paul to win the MVP before, before, you know, they get to the finals. Cause then those odds are going to change. He's plus three fifty right now. Giannis is plus one sixty. Do not take that bet. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually think that no matter what happens, if Milwaukee wins against the Hawks or not in the series, like Chris Middleton is the key. He's he needs to be what takes them past their offensive woes that they've had, and they had them in Game One that we you know we talked about on our podcast. But like Giannis was great, but Chris Middleton had 15 points. I, that's um, a, that's a sneaky bet, but I, look, they're winning the title because of Giannis. No. Yeah. No, I yes, yes, but I'm super not confident in the Hawks. Not, I'm not confident in the Bucks beating the Hawks in the series first and foremost. So that's why I wouldn't want to take the honest bet. Yeah, I'm pretty confident in the Suns beating the Clippers, especially if they get Game Three tonight. They're for sure going to win the series, and I think that they have a good chance to beat whoever comes out of this Eastern Conference Finals game. And so at that point, like. Even as good as Devin Booker has been playing, are they not going to give it to Chris Paul if he has twenty points and ten? If he averages twenty points and ten assists, he's Chris Paul. Right. Yeah. I, I mean that, that. That's what they want. They want to give it to him. What's Trey Young at? Do you have the odds up in front of you? He Trey Young is plus seven hundred. Ugh. I might take that. That's not a bad bet either. That is not a bad bet, honestly. Ice Trey. I mean, look, the Suns. I don't want to. I'm gonna. I'll go on record again saying this for our Slumdog Million fans out there. That's a big reference point for us always. Suns may be D Jack Hobbs, whereas the Bucks are B Ricky Pontig. <laughs> for those who don't, I, I I will. Yeah, for, yeah. Tell them. Tell them about Ricky Pontig. Rick, yeah. So for those who don't know, at the end of Slumdog Millionaire, one of the last, I think it's the last question he has is like for 20 million rupee. Uh, it's it was a cricket question, and the two options are Jack Hobbs and Ricky Pontig. D Jack Hobbs is the he goes D Jack Hobbs lock it in and that's the answer that wins it but the other the oppo answer is B Ricky Ponting so if it's a lock we go D Jack Hobbs if it's not much of a lock we go B Ricky Ponting does he use a lifeline or the the one that can't have fifty fifty he uses a fifty fifty right we need to rewatch this movie we reference it way too much yeah you you asked though about the Hawks and the Bucks I did the Hawks are plus seven and a half for Friday's game what take it take it. Oh my you, god. They're plus 285 to win. I think it's a little bit risky. You're still playing in Milwaukee. Milwaukee lost game 1. This is a this is a huge game for them. It's almost a must win. Uh, <laughs> I got to chime but in. But plus really 7 and a half is that's a lot of points too. I got to chime in really quickly. Nick, we got to get Ricky Ponting on our show cuz he's still alive. Jack Hobbs <laughs> died in uh, 1963, bless his heart, but uh Shout out B. to Ricky Ponting. Punting is still out there. Uh, Australian cricket player. How old is he? Coach. And commentator. He's 46. 46? Yeah. Oh, we got to get him on the show. That's a lock. That's a D. Jack Hobbs that we're getting Ricky Ponting <laughs> on our radio show. Are you telling me that the Hawks are plus seven and a half after winning game one? Currently on betonline.ag. 
the Hawks are plus seven and a half. I have two Lock things hanging from the, my lower body, and I'm putting them on the Hawks plus seven and a half for those fans out there that want to use their imagination. And they're not, I'm not talking about my legs. <laughs> How is that possible? I don't know. I, I don't know. If they had, if they had like a healthy DeAndre Hunter, I honestly would be, I'd be confident in Hawks in five. Wow. Well, they're plus money right now to win the series still too. So they're so well built. Like and well Collins, coached. Is, Collins is not a fluke. And well coached. And well did. Yeah. I mean, McMillan, we've been saying, look, that was also like the most is he the obvi- best coach right now in the, in the, the, the last four. Um, I honestly think I'm really been impressed with Monty Williams. Have you? Yeah. I mean, he's like no Chris Paul, like really taking care of business. Yeah. I think Ty Lue, who I was thinking the second worst coach behind Van Gundy in all of basketball ever. He's like starting to impress he's me a little. He's stepping up a little bit, but I think, I mean, Budenholzer always gets his teams there, but yes, to in the long winded answer, I think McMillan's fantastic. What he, he did with the Pacers last year, they had like clearly didn't have much and their head coach, their one year they fought oh, with fire McMillan. We need to change up next head coach. Boom. Pound sand, kick rocks, play in the snow. The grab NBA your wife and kids and like, pack. They have like the shortest tenors as head coaches, right? Yeah. Well now they They're have Carlisle for four in years in and out. Yeah. I mean like it's for, look and that team's talented. I don't think it's amazing, but they have talent on that roster, right? They have Brogdon, Lavert, Miles Turner, Sabonis, who I think is the most underrated player arguably in the league. And McMillan was good with them. They fire him. He goes to be the assistant under Lloyd Pierce. And I like Toss and I and, and one of our buddies, Miles, shout out to him and his family. Um, he's a Hawks fan. Uh, we were talking at the beginning of the year, and it was the most obvious thing in the world that it was almost as obvious that Subway's tuna is fake that um, Lloyd Pierce was going to get canned and McMillan was going to step up. And not only did McMillan step up, he stepped up and saved their season. Well, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals, so well, they, they all stepped up. Well, yeah, but they, they were at a losing record before he came they, in. They weren't going to make the, the playoffs. No way. Or maybe they were going to make it as like one of the play-in games when Lloyd Pierce was coaching. I mean, it was, Lo- it was tight. Things did not look good for the Hawks. We were, yeah, we, we I, I was, and I'm definitely one of the guys that's, that's been wrong about the Hawks from the beginning of the season because I wasn't sure how everything was going to fit together, but it turns out that they've just got a lot of guys that can score and shoot. And that goes a long way, especially in the playoffs when, you know, you can rely on Trey Young as much as you want, but he's not going to get you 48 every single game. He might get you 30 every game yeah. <laughs> the way he's playing. But, yeah, you kind of just have to tip your cap to Nate McMillan for just putting everything together, yeah. especially when it felt chaotic right before he, he took over as head coach. Dude, it felt like – when you look at this team now, we were looking at that team before and, like, how – on paper, they're so versatile. There's so much going on in that roster, and clearly they're so deep. It's pretty much like Lloyd Pierce took a surf and turf dinner with like all the fixings. I'm talking about the asparagus, like the bacon-wrapped scallops on the side. I'm talking about the potatoes like four different ways. And he took the plate with the lobster and the surf and turf with the butter on top of the, the, the turf, and he just dropped it on the floor. He literally took it and he goes, oh, you he guys want your dinner? Bag. And, and fum- like, like a Sonics. You guys ever see the, the Sonics workers when they're skating? Is that what it is when they're skating? Yeah, the I don't cars? really do that anymore because I think they've dropped way too many Sonic beverages. Do you think people? Do you think some people like these content chasers go, hey, I'll slip you an extra 100 bucks if you just ram right into my car and just drop it into my lap? Mm, that's actually a good point, but I, I think – 
they discontinued the roller skates before okay. content chasers were really content chasers. Okay. Oh, so it's been gone for a minute. I haven't seen people on rollerblades at Sonic for a very, very long time. I got to be honest with you guys. I'm a Sonic virgin. You've never been? No. And you... It's the ultimate drink stop. Went to college in Texas? Yeah. Are there... I Dude, are there a lot of them in Austin? Yes. They're a decent amount. They're, I mean, they they don't feel as frequent as they were in Dallas, or at least where I grew up in Dallas. I but would say Josh, that there's more Sonics in, in Austin than our Burger Kings. For wow. Sure. For sure. The BK Dude, Lounge is few and far between in Texas. That was the craziest thing. Because I was literally about to come out of my mouth. Are there more Sonics than Burger Kings? Well, there you go. I was reading your mind. I answered it for you. We have yeah, been spending the, the B, way the too BK much time Lounge, together. The chicken fries. The chi- oh, what, I, I stole. What I will say to any listener out there is that I don't know if there are any Sonics in San Diego. But I do know that there's a Sonic in Long Beach. So if you want to go to Long Beach and get popcorn, popcorn chicken, and a couple, there's a couple of Sonics in San Diego. You got one in uh, in Kearney Mesa. You got one in El Cajon. You, you got one in National City. Well, there, those are our Sonics, and there's one in Long Beach. And we're the Charity Stripe, and we are going to be right back after this break. We will be right back with the Charity Stripe on the all new Mightier 1090 AM SoCal Sports Talk. This is the Charity Stripe on a new generation of radio. The mightier 1090 AM SoCal Sports Talk. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws because they're free. Here for our second segment of the day, I'm Joshua Fisher along with Nikki Snacks Kreider of San Diego and Alexander Tosopoulos. If you want to catch us more off the air, follow us on Instagram at the.charity.stripe or on Twitter at underscore charity stripe underscore we also have a podcast releasing mondays and thursdays we talk sports we have cool interviews we have a cool interview that's not really really sports related coming out on monday and that's with the just like the showrunner the creator the director the writer of um sweet tooth the show he didn't create the um the comic book on netflix it's the number one show on netflix right now and we're gonna have a chat with him you shed a couple of tears for that show huh did i cry on that show i didn't cry but i it was like it wasn't you thought it was you and i both thought it was gonna be more kid centric or like kitty friendly than it is it's not it's like legit like there's some heavy stuff going on in there there's some real drama real problems it's pandemic heavy which is kind of ironic so it adds i shed i shed a tear Toss, you cry more during shows and movies than I do, though. You only yeah, cried. I'm, a f- I'm a frequent crier. Yeah, I cried during Patriots Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's cathartic to cry. It's uh, it's it's healthy to express your emotions. So, any <sighs> listeners out there who are are ashamed of crying, don't be, because I cry during every episode of Top Chef. So. <laughs> You know what Dude. else is cathartic? Yeah. Sided debates. Sided debates yes. is cathartic. Nick, look at yes. you getting Debating into Debating people and getting into things with people are, that's very cathartic. That's uh, a great point, Nick. We put up a side debate. We did. Don't you love, first of all, getting in like, you know what's really cathartic though? A segue. A segue. <laughs> a good segue. Not the, not the segue that you stand on that rolls. The, yeah. Whatever those are. Those are called segues, right? Yeah. No, no. A segue into a debate. Yeah. Uh, and what's our debate, Nick? Is Otani the biggest Marvel in sports you've ever seen? And is he being appreciated enough? It's a double question debate. Um, that's a good one. Is he, first of all, is he the biggest Marvel in sports I you've seen? I think he's got to. He's got to be. He's, he's literally doing amazing things with his bat and with his arm. People compared him to Babe Ruth early on. He couldn't stay healthy. 
and now he's finally healthy and he's mashing. He's going to compete in the home run derby, which everyone wants him to do. And he's got like a sub two five ERA right now. And he's got, yeah. I mean, dude, honestly, he would be the for batting average, quote unquote, would be the lowest batting average of an MVP to win it. But first of all, batting average is not what it used to be. Yeah, it's more now on base, on base percentage, percentage is, 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 has taken over. Exactly. Otani. Not only does he have 23 home runs tied for the lead, he also has 10 stolen bases. We're talking about a guy who could be a 40-20 guy, uh, probably hit over 100 RBIs. His war right now, his total with pitching is five. He's on pace to have like a 11.7 war over 162-game span. That'd be the highest since Barry Bonds, 2001. Wow. Um, to answer the first question, yes. To answer the second question, no. He's not appreciated enough in my opinion. Clearly not. And I think, is it because of basketball and everything else going on in sports? Is it because Could be. of, of the length of baseball? This is only the first half. And right. even a guy that's supposed to be as good as Otani is, and he's like, this is exactly what we the Angels paid for. And this is exactly what you know we thought we were going to get with him. But as baseball fans, we're still conditioned to not really take anything too seriously in the first half statistically. We always, at least for me, which I'm is kind always, of unfortunate because it still matters. But I think it, I think he's really going to get appreciated when people see him in the home run derby because people people tune into the home run derby that don't necessarily watch the first half of baseball. They just want to see guys hit home runs, and when they see what he can actually do with the bat, hopefully he makes it out of the first round. You know, some guys can blast off in the regular season and and fall short in the home run derby. That happens all the time. But I think that he's really going to be on display during that game, the All-Star game, and in the Home Run Derby. I think he's going to be truly appreciated. So, so why doesn't... Nick, I asked you the other day about Tatis. You don't want Tatis to be in it? Because I, I think at that point, like it's really valuable for the game as well if Tatis is there too. It's you had two for points to it, Nick, though, and share them, please, why you don't want him in there for both the points you shared. I, I agree with one, not the other. Right, okay. So with one point, um, as a Padres fan, uh, for, for baseball fans... Great. It's great for the sport, right? Get as many superstars in there as possible to showcase their power. But from a Padres perspective, a guy who is injury prone, I don't want him trying to hit the ball as hard as he can for, I don't know, what is it like a hundred plus swings probably? Could be if you go the distance. Yeah. He's, he's had injuries swinging the bat multiple times. He can't play. He can't do it. He swings out of his shoes. If he gets hurt in the home run derby, and jeopardizes the rest of the season oh. because he wants to compete in the home run derby. I th- I think I don't think he's going to do it. He even came out with a statement saying, "I have to be smart." He goes, "It's been a dream of mine to to perform in this for a long time, but I can't. I, I have to be smart." The second point, which I don't think Josh you really agree with, is I it messes up your swing because I think it's that's a different style of swing. I think I, it's a myth. I don't think it's a myth. I think I think guys. The speed is different. You're you're literally changing your swing to get more launch angle under it to to hit it out of the park. I mean, you're practicing for I guess two full days of just hitting home runs. Yeah, but like that takes you out of your groove a little. It bit. takes you out of your groove, but like that's it's not gonna un, it's not gonna unwrite the muscle memory of the whole season. Baseball, your yeah. whole yeah, yeah the whole season before. I agree with the first point though, especially with a guy with shoulder issues. It's not like they're lower body injuries for Tatis, really. It's like all upper body. He can't do it. No. Right. It, as good as it would be for the sport. If he was 100% healthy this season, then maybe. But he's missed significant games. Yeah. I'd say the same thing if I were a Padres fan, Nick. Yeah. You have po- the polar bear is going to represent New York. He's going to do it. I mean, Judge is out. 
but he's got injuries. Vlad Jr.'s out. I think he's done it already, and he doesn't want to jeopardize anything. Yep. I would. It, you know who should do it? I mean, it's not like a sexy. It's not a sexy pick, but they need to have Matt Olson do it. I think they should put Pujols in it. One last go. Yeah, that's a great idea. He's never done it. He's never done it. No, I, I think what? it's one of those things where he's never wanted to do it because he never wanted to change his swing and he never oh, wanted he's to risk do it. it. This this should be the year he does it. That's a great idea, Nick. Pujols has to do it. We need to start a petition. For I that. think he's got eleven he's, home runs so far this season. He's tw- got I think six it's twelve. Dodgers. He's playing well for the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, like we we're all like, oh, here's like this is like the Brooklyn Nets with Blake Griffin, but actually, he's and Blake contributed as well. He's really contributing for them in, in Bellinger's absence. In Bellinger's back now. Um, he's been good for them. Um, that's a that's a great idea. But the Otani situation is, it's like the curse of the Angels almost. They had Trout, and now he's hurt, and they have Otani, and they're just not really competitive. They're not. So even, they, they're arguably not even the third best team in that division, which is sad because are the Mariners really that good? No. The A's obviously are excellent. And so are the Astros. That's a battle at the top. But the Angels aren't competitive, and it's like we're wasting like a, again, like we're wasting a top tier player on a non competitive team. I stand corrected. Pujols did do it in two thousand five. Okay, I think he did it again two thousand seven. But for a long time, I remember it being a thing where it's like, let's put Pujols in. Let's put Pujols in. He's like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. He finally caved, but I think he should still do it. <laughs> yeah, I think he should still do it as well. Great stat correction, Nick. Way to, you know, way to go for it on Google. Uh, we are not brought to you by them, um, yeah, but I not think, yet, not yet. But I think Otan, he's a bigger marvel than a multi-sport athlete. I would say yes, because I I would say that it like this is the closest thing to being a multi-sport athlete because there's not many guys who pitch and hit. I mean, there's no guys. Who, he was the first player of all time. Just yesterday, the game he played to in the American League, they opted not to use the DH because he was pitching. So instead, they didn't have a DH; they just had him batting for himself. It was the first time ever in the American League. That's crazy. And you know what, though, as well, I'll say this: I don't think I've really. I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm trying to like, I'm like a, I could be blanking a two sport athlete. I've seen like both. Like I wasn't. We weren't watching when Bo played. We weren't really yeah, watching. We didn't watch Dion or Bo. Dion or Bo or Brian Jordan, and those guys. I mean, Ward. I would say Bo more so than Dion was better at both sports. Dion was good, but Dion, Bo was like an all star. Dion was like good, great at football. He was like he was average at baseball, major league level though. Right, but like Bo Jackson, but he was an amazing all-star. football player. But yeah, yeah but Bo Jackson's an all star baseball player. He only played what three or four years in the yeah. NFL. So, but Otani. Is literally doing amazing things, pitching and batting, which I would consider two different things. Because you could have you could be an amazing hitter and be a terrible pitcher, the worst. And you look at pitchers and they suck at hitting. Yeah, so it's I, I think this is definitely the biggest marvel I've seen. The only thing I could really throw in there is Phelps's gold medal run. That was cool to watch. Yeah, but this is this is has more longevity. That's we're talking about something that's going to happen once and only every four years, and so it's kind of loses its luster after we've seen it. This is like, how long can Otani go for this? Because we were at the beginning of the year, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was team, this guy can't pitch. Just well, wasn't it last lineup. year too, where he pitched a couple of outings and yeah, I've heard it multiple times, especially from you, Josh, that like, it's not sustainable. That oh, he, yeah, he stunk. Right. He was walking guys left, right, front, and center at the beginning of the year too. In his first outing, everyone's like, oh, he pitched great. I'm like, not really. He walked like seven dudes. I, I think we were... So, 
all guilty of making those assumptions, but I think it also came down to us rushing the the process. I mean, he had just came from Japan, yeah, and we always say that you know there's an adjustment period, and sometimes it takes longer than others. This is year three for him, right? Yeah, it takes longer, I think, for a pitcher to adjust. Exactly. Yeah. Well, then I think we kind of have to to be fair to Bo and Dion. Kind of have to wait a little bit and see how long he truly can sustain this high level of play. But if he continues to do so. I mean, yeah, he's he's top of the list. Now, let me ask you this. If the Angels finish sub five, obviously he's the front runner for MVP just because of what he's doing on the mound and at the plate. But if they're sub 500, Vlad continues to do what he does and be the best hitter in baseball, and they're not good. I brought up our my boy Matt Olson, who I'm just a fan of. If the A's finish with the best record in the American League is he and he plays great defense and he continues to hit the, the tar off the ball, it is he fully out on MVP? Like, I what still is think he, he's out. Like, what? Then what is the MVP at this point? I don't know. I, well, Matt Olson's not top ten in WAR. He's not, and he's not top ten defensive WAR either in, in in all of baseball. I'm I'm only looking at all of baseball, and I'm not looking at AL only. Okay, but Guerrero's number one in WAR in all position players. Yeah, and Otani's number one in WAR in in, in all players. Yeah, pitchers and position players. Mm-hmm. It's true, but like. <sighs> I know war is like the end-all, be-all, but the number one in war in the NL was Max Muncy. Dude's not the MVP. He's not gonna, is he going to finish top five in MVP? Probably not. I mean, look, what Otani's done is amazing, and there's no shying away from Vlad. It's just like there's two guys, Bogert's and the Red Sox. Love for him to get some nods, and that's me just speaking selfishly. And there's a lot of guys out there that deserve it. Are you worried? Right now, the favorite in the NL is DeGrom. Two pitchers might win the MVP. I mean, you guys with an asterisk on Otani, but two pitchers in the M- in the MLB might win the MVP. Is that annoy you as a Padres fan a little bit that Tatis is putting? In? What do you say early? Maybe a forty forty guy. It could be a forty forty guy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't annoy me. It's it's definitely like I mean, it's bad luck. Yeah, because Degrom's pitching out of his mind. Um, but Tatis is having a great year. He'll have other opportunities. Yeah. Well, speaking of a guy that may not have another opportunity at his current pace. He's put together an all-star season. He's a former MVP. For some reason or another, I couldn't tell you why I thought this team was going to be so mediocre at best. The Giants have the best record in baseball. Not only do they have yeah, not only do they have the best record in baseball, they have one of the best records at the, at this point in the season in modern era. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The Padres can't gain any ground on them right and now. And they won 7 in a row. 7 in a row just swept the Reds and the Dodgers, which yeah. is great. Love love a good Dodger sweep. Hasn't happened in the past 45 series, I guess. Really? Yeah, the Padres. This is their first sweep in like the past forty-three or forty-five. And that Red team is good too. That Red team. That Red team's great. Yeah, it's above five hundred. Padres have the most above five hundred games out of the three, out of the Dodgers, the Giants, and the Padres. Blow them out of the water. Yeah. I mean, we were saying it's like forty-nine games the Padres yeah. have played above. It's like seventy-five percent of their games almost. Right, and then the Giants have played thirty games with teams above five hundred. So that might have something to do with it, mm-hmm. but. It is really frustrating when you're winning games like this and you're winning series like this and you're not getting any ground. There's still four and a half games back from the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's interesting that the scheduling is that different and they're in the same division. Right? Well, the right? issue like, well that's why it's like they're playing that's why they're playing a lot of those games over 500 because they're playing a lot of division of games. Right. So if you look at the Mets who have the least over 500, every, uh, surprisingly so, we thought that was going to be the best division in baseball. Everyone's under under 500 except for the Mets. Right, and they've played 19 games uh, against teams over 
under 500. That team over 500. Sorry, they should build the Grama statue. The lead, I think, like oh, he will. the polar bear one. is like leading the team in average. He's hitting 250. The Grom will get a statue. They're like 13 and three when Lindor has an RBI or something like that, or like it's something crazy where yeah. it's like anytime anyone hits, it's like yeah, obviously because if Degrom's pitching and someone gets an RBI, you're likely to win if you're the Mets. I mean, yeah. this is Josh talking. I'm a Sox fan. We know Nick's a Padres fan. Alex is a Rangers fan, uh, hailing from Dallas. At the beginning of the year, one of my Boston buddies and I were talking, and he said Bogertz is a better shortstop than Lindor. I took the side of my non-Red Sox. I took Lindor's side and said, no way. And now I'm foot in the mouth, eating my words. Blatantly a better shortstop. He's great. I mean, you said the other day that Devers and Bogarts could be the best left side of the infield. I think they could be. I mean, with the way Machado's playing. Look. Machado's, he's, he's actually coming back. He's coming back. to He's obviously, for a down year for Machado, he's still playing Defensively, excellent. though. Yeah. Machado's. Better than Devers. Exactly. I don't think Devers has much staying power at third base, to be honest. Um, but as far as hitting hitting the ball, I mean, as good as Tatis has been, like Bogarts is like right there with him. The only issue is like overall, I th- I want to say Bogarts is the best shortstop in the AL, but Correa has been excellent. Correa has been great. He's he's second in position war. That that's the be- I think that's the best middle infield in baseball still. Yeah, Bregman, Correa, Altuve. Yeah. Guriel, the, the whole infield. Good. I mean, Bregman's hurt, unfortunately. But Altuve, as much as you know, we love to hate the Astros in baseball, Altuve's come back to full form. Very much deserving of an all-star nod. He's been fantastic. There's a lot of – the AL's a lot tougher than the NL. The NL, like, Nick, you have an issue with Albies leading second baseman because he's blatantly not the deserving second baseman. It should be Adam Frazier or your boy Jay Cronenworth. Um, but Cronenworth still may get a shot. It's like a third second baseman because I think Frazier will go because they have to put a pirate in. Uh, and he's the best pirate, although Brian Reynolds, shout out to him and his family, has been excellent. Um, but Cronenworth still may get in because I think it's way more slim pickings in the AL than is the AL. I, I'm hopeful that he does get in. It sucks, though, because I think he's like the fifth. He's got the fifth most votes out of all second basemen. And I'm not really sure how the structure is with, with votes. It's a little confusing. The starters for sure get voted. Yeah. Because uh, phase one ends today, and then it says phase two is when you vote the starters. So I, I don't really know how how votes are really accumulated. Well, and, it may be how, like one of those phases where they weed out the guys who are not going to. Well, get so it. I'm saying so. Like, is Cronenworth going to get weeded out because he's not in the top three? He may, mm. which that kind of sucks because he's second in all the NL for position players in WAR. So he's like he's like Terrence Howard in Iron Man. Yep, pretty much. Phase one of Marvel. Terrence Howard was roadie, who was Iron Man. Yep. And then they replaced then Don him. Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Phase two and going forward, Don Cheadle. Yep. Wow. Well, I totally forgot about Terrence Howard's appearance in Iron I Man. I think Terrence Howard maybe took other opportunities, and that's why he probably is probably a combination. Yeah. Talk about a wave of regret. <laughs> I mean, he, he, yeah. he did Empire, and I think that probably took a lot of time up. Yeah, Empire's cool. But you're not Iron Man's boy. True, true, true. If not even that. It's just what about the dollar amount that you're making for being in a Marvel movie? Yeah, multiple uh, Marvel movies. Are we gonna sit here and cry about it as much as like Terrence Howard's cool? But come on, Don Cheadle's a man. And his name is Don Cheadle. Yeah, he's is, a man. is that the best name in, in in cinema? Could be one of them. DiCaprio's got a good name. Um, but speaking of base on the baseball, getting back on track there. I was trying to let you down, but there's so many Padres playing well. Someone's gonna get shut out. 
Someone's gonna someone that deserves to be, and I think unfortunately it's gonna end up being Darvish. Yeah, yeah. I think the Darvish gets shut out as well. I think I think for realistically looking at who's making the All Star team from the Padres is Tatis for sure, Musgrove yes, Melanson. I think those are the three locks. You're not sold on Melanson because I just think, I think you're going to have Hader. trouble with Melanson. Look, there's 20 position players. I don't in think 12. that because he's got three more saves than the next guy below him, which is Kimbrel. He's got 23 saves. Yes, that and he's is, pitching a pretty good ERA, one one point nine three. It's amazing. You look at rosters and and, and past years for for the All Star game. There's always like three or four closers. He will get in. Yeah, I think he could be the. I think the issue you run into with him is the Cardinals are going to need to put somebody in there, and it's got to be Reyes, who's got a one oh seven. Hater and Kimberly, yeah, they don't have the save numbers. Okay, so there you go. There's four relievers done. I think he's the fourth. So I think he's of the. I think Musgrove and Tatis are locks. They gotta yeah, put the hometown kid having his best year. We'll throw a no hitter. Yeah, threw a no hitter. They gotta throw him in there. Tatis obviously. But I would say those three are locks in my opinion. And then on the fence, Cronenworth next, then Darvish, then possibly Machado, just because it's Manny Machado. And he's been good. He's been and good. The NL is a bit slim pickings. I just think there's just so many guys pitching great baseball. Like we were going through it, like the top guys in, in ERA, like Woodruff, Degrom, Gosman, like Rogers, like all those guys are going to go ahead of the Padres guys, arguably. Especially because guys like Rogers who pitches for Miami, they have to throw somebody in there. Woodruff and Hayter are going to represent the Brew Crew. Um, it's definitely a bit of a sticky situation, um, but it's a, I th- again, like I said before, it's a, it's a lot easier to get in as an NL player this year, I think, than it is an AL. Where is the All Star game? Colorado. Colorado, which is awesome for the home run derby. Kind of going full circle with that. We're going to yeah, see some absolute cool. bo- some Bobby Abreu style. So 20- far, the only locks are Pete Alonso and Otani, right? Otani. Yeah. Hopefully, we get some more exciting bats in there. Speaking of exciting, we hope you enjoyed our show. We'll be back on Thursday. But if you miss us so much, find us on Instagram at the charity stripe or on Twitter at underscore charity stripe underscore or on our podcast anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, and the whole shebang. Monday morning and Thursday morning, great interviews, great stuff, great sports talk. Fans out there, drag ball, feet and bounce, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they're free, and hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they're free. Because they're free. We out, yo. We love you. Thank you for joining us. Please catch the Charity Stripe every Thursday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 AM SoCal Sports Talk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.